Welcome to the Stay House Podcast. I'm Chris, and I got my man Jordan here. What's going on, Jordan? What's going on, man? Good to be here. Good to be here. Yeah, so, uh, of course, you know uh, the format in our first episode is uh, we're going to talk sports talk and other stuff, the very definition of S-T-A-O-S. So uh, we're going to just jump right in, man, and kick this off. Uh, we got a lot going on. Uh, we know March Madness is, is right here waiting on us. But in the midst of all of this, we got a lot of talk about these NCAA athletes uh, caught in this FBI scandal, this, this pay-for-play. Cats uh, yeah. getting gifts, getting money uh, to come play with these uh, big-time organizations, these big-time schools, man. What do you think about that? Well, you know what? Um, I honestly don't see an issue with it. I mean, I think it's only fair for the young guys to get paid. I mean, NCAA has been – a huge establishment for a long time and they make a lot of money off of these young guys, you know, the shoe deals, the jerseys, names on their back. I mean, I think they should get a little piece of the pie. Yeah. And, and, and I'm right along with you, man. Um, far, far too long. See, back in the day, it wasn't a lot of money being passed around for this stuff. And, and if you want to still live by, by those rules and regulations, it, it just, it just ain't right. It's, it's multi-billion dollars being, tossed around by these guys, man. And, and for these young people, they're not dumb. Um, you know, they like to play them like they're dumb, but they're not dumb. They, they see this money getting passed around, and, and they want a piece of it. And even the, the stuff they're getting is just a small piece of that pie, man. The biggest thing we yeah. saw was what, DeAndre Ayton, and it was rumored that he got 100000 uh that had to be paid for him to come there. Now compare yeah. that to what yeah. Arizona makes, you know? So uh, right now they're refuting that. Sean Miller's refuting it. That's what went down. But, I mean, usually when, when there's smoke like this, there's fire. Um, saw a whole bunch of cats get drugged into this, man. Some cats even in the NBA. I heard Kuzma and Dennis Smith might have been involved. I know Colin Sexton's name came up. So, you know, it's it's it costs to get some of these high-profile guys. Yeah, absolutely. And I think uh... – I mean, they're only going to be there, especially the high-profile type guys like DeAndre Aiden, like you mentioned, uh, the one-and-done type guys. I think that um, they should get a little bit of something. I was just listening to something that uh, ESPN, I believe it was, that was talking about how LeBron, you know, if he would have went to uh, to college, just imagine what he would have got, you know. But. Yeah. I mean, I mean, it was when he was coming out, it was rumors that – you know, it was still colleges trying to trying to give him money, knowing that he was going. You know, that stuff was floating around. You know, you got the Range Rovers and other things from these agents, and that and that's generally who's involved. They these guys get with these AAU teams, and these AAU teams in cahoots with these agents, and, and you know, so these agents step in. They want to get in on the ground floor. Yeah. You see a, a kid that's you know six eleven, two fifty can jump out the gym. These agents see that. They want to get it on the ground floor, man. So they do that, and they, they deal these kids off to these schools. And the school has really, if you want to win, you know, the school has no choice but to bite. You know, these universities telling these coaches, you know, <laughs> you know, just as long as we don't know about it, get them here however you need to get them here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
under the table deals. Yep, I agree. You know, so you know, so you get these these money stuffed envelopes and whatnot passed around, man. And you know what they say to um, the NCAA, the uh, head of the NCAA was his name Emmer. He made almost two million dollars last year. So you know, for these for these kids to come in and and not get something, uh, that 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 whole situation, man, is going going to turn over on his head in the long run. See. Here's my thing, even even in addition to that, because I, I totally agree with everything you're saying. I think ultimately, as soon as you say something is a business, a person should get paid for for their services. You know, if I go to work and I'm representing you or I'm representing a certain company and, you know, I have an ID that says, OK, I work for this company or I work for that company. Well, obviously, I know when I come to work, I'm going to get paid. I feel like these these NC these colleges they already know that a lot of these especially high profile players are going to make it to the next level they're going to make it to the NBA they're going to get crazy amounts of money life changing money millions of dollars so why not start it off and not do it under the table but just say okay hey every game you score maybe make it like an incentive type thing where every game a high profile player scores 20 plus, so like DeAndre Aiden, 20 plus and 10 rebounds. Okay, get a man $1,000 per game. So, something, you know, just take care of the man's family, pay the rent, something, you know. I'm just, just spitballing, but I think that it shouldn't be a, a hidden thing, especially with all the money that's going around uh, for the NCAA. So that 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 should be a no-brainer. And I think it, it honestly is going to happen soon, um, you know, especially since it's coming to the light more and more, it's being talked about more and more. I don't think that's something that's going to go away until it, it actually starts happening, you know, all, all across the map. Yeah, and like you said, man, I, I was thinking along that line, you know, because we go to work, we got a job. Uh, in this country, it's illegal to send somebody 18 and older to work or 16 and older to work and not pay them. Yeah. You know, so basically, you essentially got these young kids, they come to these universities, and that's their job. Let's, let's, let's be real about it. That's their job. They go... Mm-hmm. They get their classes set up for them. They end up, you know, taking like bowling or or, or dice shooting, and then they want them to to spend 16, 12 to sixteen hours playing ball, practice, training, you know, running. Even even sometimes they got to make appearances for these universities, man. So, you know, these kids are are putting in, you know, workmen's hours and not getting anything for it. And the whole argument that yeah, you're getting an education, well, the price of an education doesn't go up. As, as quickly and as frequently and as incrementally as how much money they get on an annual basis for these sports, especially football and basketball. And I hate to say it, man, but sometimes you got to look back and be like, okay, is this, is this a thing where it might even be racially motivated? Mm, good point. Yeah. Because, the, I mean, what's, what's bringing in some of these, these dollars, man? It's football, it's basketball. And these are the ones, you know, who getting caught up in these scandals. You're not hearing about no tennis and baseball scandals. <laughs> yeah, 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 that's that's true. You know, another thing I was thinking is that if if they do, you know, make this, you know, out, out bring it out to the light and make it obvious that, you know, a lot of these players get paid, I think that it actually will help them in the long run. And what I mean is, you know, a lot of these young guys and just athletes in general, a lot of them, when they don't come up in an environment that teaches them to, uh, manage their money right or, or or 
you know, spend their money wisely or whatever. And they just, they get all these riches just out of nowhere. It's life changing money. Like I mentioned earlier, they sometimes don't know how to act. They don't know what to do with it. They throw it away. They go into the club. They doing all this other crazy stuff. And then they're in debt by the end of their career. And then they looking for something else to do. A lot of, you hear a lot of stories about that. So I think it actually would be an advantage as well to even get them started while they're getting an education, perhaps maybe making a class for athletes where you can, you can teach them how to manage the money that they're getting at the college level, you know, in, in small increments, even though it's not as much as they're going to make at the next level, you are already giving them the tools to succeed and uh, the, the, the proper training on, okay, well, this is what you need to do with this. And this is what you need to do with that. You know? So I think there's many, That's- many advantages to just going ahead and, and, and paying these young cats. That's an excellent point, man. Because you, you can kind of equip them a little bit for what's on the next level. The, o- the only drawback I see, and it's not really a drawback when you look at the big picture, is now when you get into the paying of these young men, these paying of these athletes, is it going to, like, I know you spoke a little bit to it earlier, but is it going to be a set rate? Or is it going to be a situation where if I go to Duke, I get this? Or if mm-hmm. I go to Arizona, I get this? Because then that that could tilt the scales a little bit, man, when, you, when you're talking about some of these higher profile, these these blue blood type schools who can dole out a little more cash than than maybe somebody else. Hmm. Yeah, that's that's a good point. I didn't think about it like that. Like, how would they manage that? How would they kind of see? The only thing I thought about was the incentive. Like, you know, if a person gets a certain, you know, like like even in the NBA, a certain contract. Like, if you meet a, a certain uh, goal in your contract, you get an extra. I know one million or two million. So at, at the college level, if you score a certain amount of points or get past a certain uh, 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 peak, then I think you should get rewarded. But like even for the the players that are that come in and they're not like five star, they're four star, three star. Uh, those kind of guys, they probably don't aren't one and done. So hmm, maybe maybe they could they they would be the ones that would stay you know in college and and still get a certain amount but maybe not as much as the five star i guess it, it to me i guess it just depends on your talent level i guess i guess it depends on you know the effort that you put in and maybe that could also be a, a motivation for those players to to step their game up you know i don't i don't i don't know that's that's a that's a really good question to wrap my head around yeah but like that man virginia ain't getting nobody Man, now they they, they 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 losing two games a year, but they only scoring like forty points a game. They have excellent defense, and I was just listening to something this this morning about that. That nobody likes watching them play, and yet they keep winning because they know how to. They just know how to uh, suffocate you, but they don't know how to put One. points on the board. Man, it's just, everything in sports is about entertainment, and even if you you don't, even if you win. You, you, you got to entertain me. And, and that's why for the longest, like even back when I was watching, you know, the Bulls, Jordan days, I couldn't stand the San Antonio Spurs. You know, back when Donovan was starting, David Robinson, Sean Elliott, all them guys, even the color of the jerseys, black and white and gray, like all that mess is bland. It's just, it just screams boring. But they were fundamental. They were great. They won. They won championships on top of championships. Greg Popovich is one of the greatest coaches ever. But you got to give me something that I, I like to watch, though. Yeah, Virginia is hard to watch, and like I don't, I don't know if they even holding some of their guys back because you see what Brogdon did when he came out, man. He 
You know, it seemed like he exploded a little bit. Like he had some some room to play. Yeah, yeah, that's a good. But point, they right? definitely play defense. But usually, usually even in the tournament, man, teams like that, they don't usually take it all. You get a, a once every so often, but they usually get beat by a team that can score. You know, a team that got one or two guys that's that's going to see the NBA and, and they can put some buckets up and ain't nothing. Uh, no defensive scheme can do about it. Yeah, yeah. I, I, Talon always, always, usually, well, usually wins. I say that. Talent usually wins. Yeah, man. Talent. I mean, you, I mean, coaching helps, and I know that college game they try to pub the coaches because again, it goes back to not pubbing the players. Really, um, they try to pub the coaches, but you know, like you say, you still need that talent, and, and you still need that talent teamed with those good coaches. To to make it make it happen, man. Because, I mean, you, I I just I look at Butler, back a few years ago. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? When uh when your boy was there, what's his name? Um, Brad was- Stevens. Brad Stevens oh. when he was coaching. And man, I mean, it's like he was taking. I mean, Hale was Hale was a monster. Hale was a monster. But aside yeah. from that, he was taking some some straight average Joes, man, and doing things with him. So you know that. <laughs> That was a case where, you know, that coaching that coaching ruled out in that instance. He was doing a masterful job in coaching because you know those mid majors don't don't get the big time recruits. They get guys that come in there and they gotta work to make their game better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm be honest with you, man. I can't even think of anybody outside of Hayward that went to Butler. Uh, I'm, I think I think Shelvin Mack. Sheldon Mack. Shelvin Mack went there. That's it. That's all I can think of. If you got anybody else, man, more power to you, man. I, it, it, my brain can't even think about anybody else that went to went to Butler. That's all they had, man. Shelvin Mack and Gordon. <laughs> Everything else was just like it was like he was he was like Tony Stark in a cave. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Bunch of so we're gonna, we're gonna move on, man. We're gonna start talking about the the guys who legally get paid uh, to play. Uh, whether it be good or bad, and what I want to talk about in the NBA man is is tanking. Uh, you see, you see that's kind of in vogue now, where where you have a whole lot of teams tanking. You know, back in the day, a lot of people like to say back in the day they didn't tank. They did. The Clippers tanked. Oh, yeah. The Clippers will tank. But what's happening now is uh, you get in situations where you got 10, 11, 12 teams tanking, and you know everybody can't get the number one pick. So, you know, is is tanking good or bad for the league? You know what? Uh I'm a, I'm I'm a, I'm going to attack this from two different angles. From from the actual team's angle that's that wants to tank cuz cuz we both know this is the last year where you can legitimately tank without it really going to get you or cuz you know uh Silver he he putting a stop to that, you know, he he, right. he changing up the draft. You but uh, mission, man. I would say you seem like he on a mission to stop this tanking. Yeah, exactly. He, he put me into it, you know. He and and this this goes back to okay. My first my first uh, angle is the team. The team that tanks obviously is good for them because they know their mission. Like, you know, Dallas Cuban came out recently and said, "Yo, I need y'all to to lose. Like, we just gonna come out and say it. We're not gonna beat around the bush. Lose, get as many L's as possible because we need DeAndre. We need." Michael Porter, who Luca, whoever, one of those top guys, and and make sure that we're in that position to do that. But from the from the entertainment uh, perspective, like I mentioned earlier, 
it obviously it, it doesn't bring about good entertainment because if you can see a team clearly tanking, like for instance the Bulls, you know you you sitting down Robin Lopez and Justin Holiday clearly they're 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 starters on that team, and then you start Cristiano Felicio, Felicio, really? But you got to see what he can do, right? <laughs> you know what? Hey, <laughs> Paxson is a genius because at least he didn't say what that, what uh, what a uh, Cuban said. You, you, he 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 hid under that statement behind that statement. Yeah, I'm gonna see what these guys can do. They need to develop. We need to see what kind of people we have on our team because uh, we need to know if they're going to be here for the long haul, for the rebuild, for the future. I agree with that. That was a smart way of putting it, but you still know he meant we tank it. Oh, for sure. Okay, so you you see it's it's good for the team. And like even tonight. See, I don't I don't buy into the whole tanking necessarily is unentertaining. Because like I look at the game tonight. Like I didn't see the whole game because the Bulls are tanking. I don't have as much interest. But I didn't see the whole game, but I listened to it on the radio driving around earlier today. And from the sound of it, man, it was a nice, close game. The fourth quarter was back and forth. Bobby Portis did his thing, and the Bulls pulled Tank Bowl out, what, 108 to 100 or something like that? So, yeah, I think they won by yep, I, I checked the score, the box score, yep. You still had a fairly exciting ball game. Like, even the Philly game that the Bulls lost at the, at the last minute. You saw bad basketball, but you still had an exciting, to me, an exciting game, a game that people are, are in their seats, putting their butts in the seats in the United Center, and they're going to come and see, despite the fact this team is tanking. I think it's more about the league doesn't want to see it, and I think they're pushing a lot of these uh, analysts and these broadcasters to kind of talk bad about it and talk down on it mm. because the league really doesn't want to see tanking. Because like you said, if they're openly tanking, if they're openly tanking, you might get a fan base that's saying, okay, y'all ain't trying to win. Well, I ain't trying to buy no tickets. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, that messes up revenue, that messes up money, messes up, you know, people watching, even on TV, you know, views. But you know what? One, one question I wanted to ask you with with even, even a, like you said, the tanking, it can still be a good thing. Like you you see some pretty close games. So what do you mean? Do you mean that the, it's still a good thing if the game is close or if if – what they did during the game was 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 okay to watch. What what, what, what do you mean with that? People people tend to be drawn to a close game. You know, even if it's even if it's bad basketball. I mean, obviously the the trained basketball eye is going to see that even a, a game that ends one on one to one hundred on a last second shot, they can look at that game and say, "Well, that game was trash." Yeah, the only game was good. And most people will see that. But a lot of people are going to still look at the fact that, hey, he hit a buzzer beater. That game must have been dope. So let me watch the next game. And I don't, I don't think it hurts revenue as much. There may be numbers that prove otherwise, man. I yeah. don't think it hurts revenue as much because, to me, the teams that don't have people coming to see these games where their teams are tanking, the fans weren't coming to see them when they was good. I look at the Atlanta Hawks. The Atlanta Hawks used to be first place in the East oh, every year. And nobody was going to the games. Yeah. So who cares if they're tanking? Yeah, they they are trash. But I mean, it's, I mean, ultimately, like 
you know, we both Bulls fans, and you you know, I wanted the Bulls to tank about four years ago. <laughs> I wanted the Bulls to tank when Jabari and Wiggins was coming out. That's off right. Trust the process. I was, I was on the process years ago, and I told people what Philly was going to do. And I know tanking don't work out for everybody because some of these cats turn out to be bust, man. But the fact of the matter is people need to understand that, you know, it's a difference between trying to, to win game, regular season games and trying to win a championship. And I think a lot of these teams are tanking to win a championship. I don't think they're doing it for the money. I don't think they're, they're doing it, you know, saying necessarily to, to alienate their fan base. But I think what they're doing is they're looking at other sports, especially baseball. And they're looking at baseball, and it's, it's been like that in baseball for years, how teams, you look at the Tigers back in the day, how they came back after they kind of flattened out the Cubs, what they did, what the White Sox are doing now, a couple of other teams, the Reds and things like that. They're trying to flatten out and, and accumulate young talent. And then they like, holler at me in two years. And I think a lot of these NBA teams, especially since basketball players bloom and blossom a little faster than baseball players, they're looking at it like this. Hey, we're going to flatten out. There's no way in the world we're going to beat Golden State. There's no way in the world we're going to beat whatever team LeBron is on. Holler at me in two years when LeBron's 35 and we got the best player in the league. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good point. That's a good point. It, it, it definitely can draw good players. Uh, I, You know what I was thinking, though, is – Along the lines of when you're saying, you know, people tank to to win championships, I believe that's what you were saying. And yeah, for the mo- for the most part, some some teams, you know, they just they just doing it to do it and, and pocket the cash. But I think a lot of these teams are tanking to eventually win a championship. Well, here, here's my thing, and a perfect example in my mind is the Philadelphia Philadelphia uh, 76ers. So at this point, you pretty much got a steady group of players. I mean, you, you, you got Ben Simmons, you got Joel Embiid. Those are your cornerstones of your, your, well, I wouldn't say rebuild because they seem like they're actually going to make the playoffs for the first time in years. It's a process, man. It's a process. Yeah. And I, I still don't see them as a, as a championship team. And this is my biggest thing. How long, I forgot the man's name before they let him go, but how long was that process before it got to this point, they had years on years on years of getting top picks, most of them number one draft picks, and they didn't hit on one or somebody got hurt or, or they, they they traded away uh, your boy. That's that, that's from Chicago who ended up being a dud. He's on Brooklyn. What's his name? Okafer. Yeah, Jaleel. So my thing is, number one, you, you got to you got to hit on the picks. You got to hit on the, on the right chemistry. And then at the same time, after all those years of losing, now you got to get the environment created to win. Because now them, them dudes' mentalities are, okay, well, I'm a superstar. This guy's a superstar. Joel and, and, and Ben uh, are doing their thing for years. And then they still don't sniff a title. They still don't sniff a, a, a conference finals. Because the, the mentality, that, that, that environment, just like with the Kings or like when uh, Garnett, was on the Timberwolves, even though I don't really know if he had a really good team around him or not. But it 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 doesn't seem to me like that's really the best way to go about it, unless, like you said, you can just hit on or banking on somebody wanting to come to your team and really blow up, like a LeBron or a KD or a Steph, somebody who's already a a a, a foundation player, a, a superstar in the league. It's but it's two ways to get generational talent, man. 
you either draft it, and that's that's the majority yeah. of ways to get it, or you sign up via free agency. And you know, the only way to draft a generational talent, usually, I mean, you have the one-offs, you have the Kawhis, you have the Giannis, people like that. But still, those cats were still lottery picks, man. I mean, you know, that's the only way you get these guys who transcend the game, who change your franchise. Now, I, you can look at the Kings, but let's let's be real. The Kings are idiots. Like, the owner out there, was that Vivek? He, Vladi wanted to do something. He overrides that and then does something dumber. He's sitting up here calling, you know, um, what's, your, what's your boy's name from Oklahoma? Buddy Hill. He calling him the next Steph Curry. Oh, hey, my God. Buddy, man, he ain't Steph Curry. He ain't Steph Curry. He's not going to transcend your franchise. Yeah. He's a nice little piece on a the team. They got a killer on there, but he ain't the killer. You know, and you got some of these franchises that, that they don't make good decisions. So you got to have that to work along with it. Now, the whole Philly thing, I honestly say, I defend them to the hilt, man. Philly got sidetracked by some injuries. You didn't – I mean, Joel Embiid had some injury problems, but you didn't expect what happened to him. Ben Simmons came out in training camp, broke his foot. You didn't expect what happened to him. So these, these are the same things that, you know, can sidetrack a franchise. But now you see they both there. They both clicking. They got some more pieces. And if they don't win, okay, now how appealing of a destination is that? for well, somebody who can come in there and put them over the top. And then that's the way I, I really look at it. Yeah. You know, tanking don't work for everybody. If 14 teams tank, it's probably going to work out for maybe two of them, two or three of them. But I tell you what, in my opinion, being a seventh seed every year and losing to the number two seed ain't going to work out for nobody. Mm, that's a good point. That's a good point. You know what? Uh, I I got to I gotta say, well, when you were saying, uh, when you were talking about uh, Steph Curry and, you know, comparing him to Buddy Hill. I'm going to be honest with you. This has always been my thought about just talent in general. You got to go to the right team. You got to get into the right system, the right fit, right chemistry under the right coach. I do not think, and, you know, you might grill me for this. I might get hated for this, but I do not think Steph Curry would be Steph Curry right now if he did not go to the Golden State Warriors because – Think about Buddy Hill. Buddy Hill went to Sacramento. Sacramento is the place where talent dies unless you you DeMarcus Cousins. Like, that was the exception to the rule, but even he got out. You had – you had what, – what's my boy's name from – he went to Kansas, Ben McLemore. Ben McLemore was supposed to be a beast. They compared him to a young Ray Allen when he got out of Kansas. I thought he was going to go number one. As a matter of fact, they were talking about him going number one in that draft. Then you had my boy from – uh from BYU that, that they could shoot out of the gym, Jim Fredette. He went to Sacramento. You know, all these cats that went to the Kings who had crazy talent, like not, not just not just played okay in college and stood out a little. Like, these dudes were killing in college. They, they were, like, historic. Not, not Macklemore, but Fredette was doing his thing. You know, Buddy Hill was doing his thing in, in, in college, from what I remember. And I would have thought that would have translated a little bit more over to the to the league, but again, it you you got to get to the right system, you got to be in the right system. And I think going back to our first our first uh, uh 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 points was draft changes. Well, when it changes, I shouldn't say if when it changes next year, I think that's going to help a lot of people out who are going to get drafted high. Is going to uh, maybe a, a 
not necessarily the weakest team in the league or the team with the most losses, but a team that could possibly be the best fit for them as well. Yeah, no doubt. Like, from what I heard is the lottery is the, really pretty much the lottery is going to be the the three the three worst teams have the highest chance of getting a number one pick. And then everybody else has the same exact same. So the top three has equal amount. And then everybody from four to 14 or whatever has equal amount. Okay. So it increases the chances that if you wanted three worst teams in the league, that you'll get the number one pick. You can still get it if you want the other teams. But if you want those bottom three, you know, you have the highest shot. So are you going to have teams tanking just to be in the bottom three? Because that's even harder to, to, to fake. You know what yeah. I'm saying? We talk about how it's, it's calling it player development. It's harder to fake that when you're trying to be just one of the three absolute most trash teams <laughs> in the league. Right. So, you know, but I, I mean, I, I, I see your point, and I think it will work out for some of these cats where you might get a team that just missed the playoffs and they got the fourth pick. You know what I'm saying? So you'll you'll get a, a Russell Westbrook that'll go to a team that was that was ninth in the conference last year. Mm-hmm. That might push you to the top. You know what I'm saying? But you know, it's it's you still need one way or the other, man. You still need that transcendent talent. And that transcendent talent only, you know, nine times out of ten is only gonna come in the lottery. Yeah. That'll definitely shake things up. Yeah, that's a good point. Good point. Yeah, man, I, I, it's it's gonna be interesting to see, um, and just hopefully the Bulls are just they got a with the Bulls, man. They got a good young core, and you know I'm a, I'm gonna be real with you. Lowry showing me something. I didn't mm-hmm. expect him to be this this fast. Um, you know the Dirk comparisons are there. I don't think he'll be exactly that good, but I thought where he's playing right now would have been close to where his ceiling is, to where he's giving you, like, 16 points a game. Right. Every game. Would have been, I thought that was going to be his ceiling. Yeah. He clearly got a lot of game, man. He clearly got a lot of game. So, you I mean, know what? You know, that, 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 was, that was actually my last point I was going to make on this this topic is I do actually think tanking is good for that reason only. Uh, not only, but for that specific reason is if the people or the the, the, the guys that you have on your team that you know you're investing in, for the future, if they're actually showing, you know, their potential. Like tonight, I think Laurie had 17, hit a couple threes. Chris Dunn had close to a triple-double. You know, Zach Levine did his thing. Bobby Portis, 22 off the bench. He's killing. I think if if even in a loss or a, a, a close win, I think if you got the main guys that you're looking at to say, okay, these are the guys that's going to, be on the team when we take it to the next level. I think if that's that's succeeding, then then you, you're good. You're good with the tanking. Definitely. I mean, you you got to have some uh, take that old turn. You got to have some pieces in place uh, in order for it to work and get a, a accomplishment of talent. Even if you look at like the Lakers, man, I don't know what's gonna happen with with your boy Lonzo. He he shows a little game and then oh, you know he sucked for a week and then he'll show a little bit then he sucked for a week. I don't know what's gonna happen with him. He need to tell his father to to just be easy, but they got some pieces, man. If they if they had a nice little superstar, they got some pieces, you know. So I mean, it's like it's, it's six on one hand, half a dozen on the other. Um, tanking is a is, is risky. 
Because to me, if if you're a GM and you say, okay, this is the direction we're gonna go in, you gotta be you gotta be risking your job. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, we we in a city in Chicago where they're not really risking their job, I think. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. I, I think I think any GM that, that goes out on that limb though, it's like, okay, we're gonna we're gonna roll like this, but you got three or four years, and if it ain't working, you know, you out. That's it. You know, so I think, I think that's what got Hinky fired. But you know, it was a year and a half too early, man. So yeah, uh, he's seeing his work fulfilled, but now he, you know, he in the unemployment line. Yeah, <laughs> try to get a check. <laughs> and actually, part part of that tanking too. One of people's complaints about tanking, man. That goes um, actually to the next topic uh, we're going to bring up, um, and that's overrated sports moments or overrated sports ideas. Oh God, yes. I know that you wanted to talk about, so uh, I'm going I'm to let you uh, take the first shot at this, let you take the first shot at this and quarterback that. Okay. So okay. What, what are some overrated sports situations? Uh, dude, I, I listened to uh, 670 to score earlier, man, and – this, this this was a funny topic, and they they got grilled for it. It was Bernstein and Gump. They got grilled for it, but it was true when you think about it. My first sports moment that I think is overrated is when Michael Jordan switched hands and laid it up over the Lakers. Now, a lot of people called in, text them, cursing them out. You know, talking about I get out of Chicago. Oh, you don't know what you're talking about, MJ. <laughs> Not saying he ain't the GOAT. Obviously, we know he put up all types of highlights. The greatest to ever do it. Not taking that away. But that play was overrated. If you go back to that play, you look it up on video, nobody really jumped with him. You had an old... He didn't have to do that. Uh, I can't who else was on, on the court. But when he jumped, nobody really jumped with him for him to have to switch hands and then put it up with his off hand. Okay, yeah, it took probably some 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 good balance. It it, it took some some uh, control on his part to to finish and follow through with that layup. Awesome, but you didn't have to do that. And then now, you know, thirty years later, we still looking at it like it was one of the, one of the most amazing plays. He, you know, because that 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 uh, uh, play is seen everywhere. And I'm sitting there looking like, okay, we gotta we 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 gotta stop. We gotta stop saying that that, that that's a great play. It was a layup. He pumped his fist. He, he was amazed at himself. But you can't put that as, as one of the greatest sports moments. The, the only reason I put something in that bucket, and I, I'll never forget, man, when I, you know, I was a kid and I, we saw that, and they kept playing and kept playing and kept playing it. i never forget my older brother saying, Mike didn't have to do that trash. And <laughs> I never realized as I got older, because Mike had always said, well, I saw Sam Perkins. And that's about it. All he did was see him because Sam didn't jump. So he went up and then he took that offhand and he brought it back. Like you said, it took balance, but it was it was completely unnecessary. But the only thing I put in that bucket for the greatness of that player is this. Mike had made like 12 shots in a row. And when he went up for that basket, like to make that shot and that be your 13th basket in a row, now it's a little something. It's a little something. But I, I I can I can rock with that. It is it is a little overrated. Think about it like that though. That's a good point. It is a little overrated though. <laughs> For me, 
I'm gonna go to baseball, man. And I'm and I'm gonna tell you this. I love this guy as a player. Because right now as an owner, he's he's very hated. I love this guy as a player, and that's Derek Jeter. Like I had a love-hate relationship with Derek Jeter, yeah. right? I loved him because he was very fundamental, he was very solid. Derek Jeter came in, he gave you solid fundamental baseball every single year. Every single year. Consistency. You never heard his name and, and no juicing scandals or nothing. He just gave you consistency every year. But the thing, especially when Derek Jeter was young, they overrated everything this man did. Oh, yeah. There was one against Oakland. And I think it was in the playoffs. Derek Jeter had the ball, and he was running towards home plate, and he backflipped it to the catcher to tag out a runner going home. I remember that, yeah. Lost their mind. Yep. Everybody lost their mind. And I'm sitting here thinking, I had to be like a teenager, man. I'm sitting there thinking, like, that's not that hard. Right. <laughs> why, is it, why, is it, why is it so sports in all night? <laughs> it's not that hard. You know, and I'm sitting up there, I got sock balls, throwing them in the hamper, backhanded, and I'm like, it's not <laughs> like I can do this. <laughs> Why is everybody pumping this dude? And he would make other plays, like he would he would catch a ball and fall into the stands, and people talk about how difficult of a play that was. Like he just caught the ball and fell. Yeah. I <laughs> you know what? I, I think I watched that game and and I remember that play too. My thing is it, it it almost reminds me of a, of of the football play, where you know you have the option, and mm-hmm. the quarterback has the option of either running it or or kind of throwing it over to the running back that's running with him. I, I don't see that as a difficult play. Nobody ever said, "Oh my God, look how many times they run that." Like that, that is just amazing. Look at the way he he just throws that ball. Come on, that, yeah, I think it might have been more so. Okay, who it was? It was, I believe, it was a playoff game, right? I believe so. So maybe the moment kind of hyped it up more, which is why I think a lot of these sports overhyped moments are, are like it is because of, of like, it. okay, it was a championship game or if it, it was the last game of the playoff series. Or, but come on, I'm, I'm with you on that. That 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 was just too much. That was overrated. And it's, it's two things, man, that really, that really irked me in basketball. To me, that's a little overrated. Like, I see the value a little bit of one and the first one I'm going to talk about, and then the other one I don't really see the value of. I think it's a little overrated. So the first one is veteran leadership. And even in college, senior leadership, overrated. If you got game, you got game. I don't care how old you are. I don't care how old you are. To me, LeBron didn't need veteran leadership. No, not at all. James, Mike didn't need veteran leadership. You had some guys who might have stuck up for you or, you know, people like Charles Barkley who maybe uh, in in real life who taught him how to – he always gives credit to Dr. J and Moses Malone for teaching him how to spend his money and carry himself in the league. But if you look at the way Charles acts, he didn't act nothing like them do. Right, right. Mo didn't talk, man, and Dr. J is, is, is renowned for being a classy cat. You know, and, and Barkley, he's tamed a little bit over the years, but Charles Barkley was throwing dudes through glass windows. Oh, yeah. That man was a... So, what veteran leadership did he have? None. And None the second man was um, with the tanking thing. 
guys learning how to lose. I don't buy that. No. I don't buy it. If you want to win, you want to win. It's, I, I, don't, I don't think it goes to the team you're on. I think it goes to how you were raised, and it goes to what you value. And I think you can find those things out about a cat before he even turns 18, 19. You know if a cat loves the game or if he loves the cash that's going to come with the game. Yeah. And those cats who they, quote, unquote, learn how to lose, those are the cats who they love the money, they love the fame, but they're not necessarily in it for for the winner, for the for the goal, for the for the rings, man. So, you know that that learning how to lose to me that falls on my ears deaf because it's like that desire to to win and un- that understanding of the game to be at the pinnacle and to to be at the top of your craft because you won the championship and you the man on the championship team. That it has nothing to do with how much you lost in your first two years of your career. Yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm with you on that. I, I I certainly agree with the 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 issue of veteran leadership not necessarily being needed on a team. You know, like you said, LeBron didn't need that. MJ didn't need that. And my thing is, okay, I could see maybe in certain scenarios like uh, um, baseball, like when when the Cubs were on their 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 role to winning the World Series. David Ross, old guy, oldest guy on the team. You know, he 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 brought a little bit of insight and teaching and some tools to, to Anthony Rizzo, the first baseman. But if he wasn't there, Anthony Rizzo would still be Anthony Rizzo. He would still be, you know, a, a, a natural leader of that team. So going back mm-hmm. to basketball, I think the coaches are the ones that should be obviously the veterans or the, the, the obvious the leaders of the team. If, if, if one player is getting out of hand or if one player needs some, some, some coaching up, well, obviously that's your job to do that. And that's why I really look highly upon uh, Greg Popovich, man. Greg Popovich is one of my favorite coaches of all time because not only can he bark at you for X's and O's, but the man just knows how to talk to people. He knows how to talk to and deal with grown men, you know, on on another level, just off the court, you know. And that I think that's that's a valuable thing. Man, Pop, it just seems like ninety five percent of the time, Pop's saying the right stuff, man. Yeah, it's, he woke. You know what I'm saying. <laughs> Pop is woke. And, like, i never forget. I think they were playing – they were either playing – no, they were playing uh, Golden State and Golden State's first title run. And, you know, that, that first title run Golden State had them in San Antonio, they was going back and forth. It was, you know, it was a dog fight. i never forget Pop was like, you know what? I need to see some nasty out of y'all. He didn't talk X's and O's. He was like, I need to see some nasty. He said, not dirty. I need to see nasty. I need to see you go out there and really want it. And when I heard that, man, I'm like, that's a coach. Mm-hmm. That's a coach. That's a dude who understands, like, what the moment is. Like, look, y'all running this y'all, – y'all sound fundamentally. Y'all doing everything y'all need to do. I ain't even going to harp on this, that, and the third. Some things you can't even help. I just need you to be nasty with it. Yeah. That's yeah. why I love him. He seems like he always in tune to what his team needs. That's a good point. I, I think even in harmony with that, man, I got to give big ups to Steve Kerr because I never saw a coach give his clipboard to his players for most of the game and say, hey, y'all teach. I'm, my, my voice is kind of getting tuned out. You know, I'm, I might be uh, uh, old news to y'all for right now. So I'll let you all see how you, you know, work this team over, <laughs> even though that, that 
probably was a little disrespectful. <laughs> no, that was, it was it was very disrespectful because I mean I don't I think it was Orlando or say it was it was one of them whack teams, but still I'm like man, you gonna let the uh, was, was, you know making plays? It was uh that would have that would have grinded my gears, brother. But but he's he's very uh he's very in tune with with basically what's going on. So I I gotta give big ups to Steve Kerr as well. But you know I, I love my Warriors, man. So to me that wasn't even disrespectful. It was Phoenix. It was playing Phoenix, right? Yeah, yeah. Oh, they really. And to did. me it wasn't, it wasn't disrespectful, man. It's like Steve Kerr's job, a head coach's job. Is to worry about his team. I'm not concerned with the Phoenix Suns' ego. I'm concerned with my team is going to win a championship this year. Yeah. And I couldn't care less if they take offense <laughs> to me having my players coach themselves. Because guess what? If that's what I need to do to get my team back on track, that's what I'm going to do. Right. Could he have found yeah. another way? Perhaps. But guess what? We're on a road trip. I ain't got time for all that. This is what y'all going to do. And if they don't like it, Tell them to beat us. <laughs> Maybe if y'all wasn't so whack, I'll be coaching. <laughs> That's a good point. I didn't think about it like that. Yeah. Yeah. If they think they, they gotta step their game up. That way you won't see athletes uh running the team. But yeah. Good point. Good I point. Feel man. Bad for Devin, man. I feel bad for Devin. I think I think Devin might be trapped. Booker? Mm. Yeah. You think so? Maybe trap man. I don't. I don't. I don't see this. I don't see this Phoenix thing happening ever. I mean, <laughs> of course he's gonna be a free agent soon, but this Phoenix thing ain't happening, man. Yeah, he he might not see the writing on the wall. He might need to leave. Like, well, not like KG. KG left extremely late. He should have been left when he took his talents to Boston. But uh, Devin isn't coming into his own. He's already coming into his own for a minute now. So yeah, he probably need to. Go ahead and get up out of there. They they got rid of Bledsoe. Say Isaiah Thomas was in and out of there. Alex Lynn is not that good. You got all the other young cats that's there. I, I don't really know anybody else that's really a a, a, a really good, decent up and coming player on that team. Actually, Josh Jackson balling out right now. Um, okay, okay, they did just get him. He been he been getting buckets since college, man. But T.J. Warren was like 26 when he came out of North Carolina State. That dude has always looked and had a whole game. Right. Yeah, he, ain't, he ain't getting you nowhere. I mean, T.J. Warren will look, will look good on a team, you know what I'm saying, where he can come off the bench and be that instant offense guy. Yeah. That's why I see T.J. Warren. But, like, they ain't gotten other than Devin. Devin a killer, but he needs some help, man. Like, when you're going out and you're scoring 70 and you still putting up an L, help that man. If, if oof, I, my, here's my question to you: Put Devin Booker on another team that that needs him, and you could see him fitting right in. Not 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 just add him to a super team already, but actually a team that needs him that is already on the rise. Who, who you got? You know what Devin Devin would look good, man. New Orleans. Ooh, I didn't think about that. Yeah. Ooh. That's a good point. I, I, you know what? 
I was thinking Philadelphia, just because uh, you got Ben obviously at the point. You got a, a, a dead dead eye shooter in, in in Devin, and then you got Joel, and then you can build off that. I give Markel and and any one of them other busters on that team, and and the, and the next year's pick <laughs> and, and get you coming in muscle, bro. There you go. Okay. Yeah. No, I was just saying I would give him. I would I would do that trade in a heartbeat, man. Put Devin on Philly. Give him Markel Fultz. And then and the yips and and uh, <laughs> give them that top pick that they're gonna get this year and some other bummer Covington or whoever uh, Sarich and 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 man that'll be your that'll be your 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 three right there your super three right there for that team and then build off that and that's a doable trade too I like the way that sounds that's a very doable trade because I mean. If Phoenix believes in faults, you know what I'm saying? I mean, Sharich, that ain't no bum, man. You know, I mean, he he can get you buckets. He get hot. He can get you 30. Yeah, he can make he can make some shots. I, the Robert Covington thing, man, it's like, oh. I mean, for Devin, yeah, it was like, Covington is like that, that glue dude. It's like, it was like, you know, what you need tonight, Covington going to give it to you. He can give you threes. He going to guard the best play on the other team. Ugh. So you so you would be kind of hesitant to get him. So 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 it would be Sarich, that pick and and who else? Who else would you give up then? Folks, that's more than enough. So I, I give you Sarich. Yeah, man, but folks got the got you got that the, the yams, man. What what else you got, dude? He can't even lift his right shoulder up. The self on that dude. <laughs> What'd you say? So you got the self Phoenix on that dude. Like, look, look, uh, charge is good. Uh, Markel Fultz, yeah, we 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 fixed his hiccups. We're oh. gonna give you this pick, and we want Devin, and we want a number one next year. Man, I, Phoenix would probably go for that. Man, if I was a GM of Phoenix, I, I'd tell them to send me a tape. I need to see every practice, every session of Fultz doing a hundred jumpers, and then send him in and tell him to 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 replicate that before I even on the dotted line. Like, no, nah, brother, Yips is nothing to play with, bro. People forget how to play; they never get it back. I think that's why they hiding that man. That man is a is a lost cause in my book. I don't think he's gonna be where he probably should have been. Somebody slapped him upside his head before the combine started, and he just completely forgot how to play. Well, he said he got his shot back. That's what he came out saying last week. That yeah. His shots were fixed. He can say that all he wants. I need to see it on the NBA game. That's True. hey, you know what? Hey, that's you know if you're confident in where you're at and you think you're back to where you were at Washington. Okay, all right, brother. Short in the game. I don't want to see no crazy mess. But yeah, man. Full, full time. I, I believed in that dude, man. I don't. I did too. I don't know what to think now. I don't know what to think now. But I, I really had my high hopes for him. I, I was, I watched him at Washington, and he showed a lot of game. You know, but you know, people was talking about. You know, yeah, people. And Sunset was like, "Oh, you better than Brandon Roy." And you know, it's this. 
they had me sold on that cat. Now he get to the league and I think what did he do? He injured his elbow or something, or no, his shoulder. I think he hurt his shoulder. Shoulder. Yeah, he hurt his shoulder, and he changed the way he shot because he didn't want to tell people he hurt his shoulder. I think that's what happened. And like once his shoulder got better, he pretty much forgot how he shot. Yeah, that's that's crazy. If you look back at his his, his uh, watch the highlights. He had a decent looking shot. It didn't. It doesn't look anything like it does now. It's, it's like his arms push out forward. It's almost like a mix of, of Joaquin Noah and and Sean Marion. Like that is a disgusting looking sight. Like he used to be a little bit better. So who who's got the worst shot? Him or Lonzo? At least Lonzo makes his stuff. You know what? I'm going with I'm going with faults, bro. Because Lonzo at least is playing. He, he he can he can make it you know that I, I'm going with false 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 has has an uglier shot to me by a little bit I mean yeah because I'm, I don't I'm going false. <laughs> I can I can buy that it's not going in so no that make your shot real ugly <laughs> exactly. But I man, this this first episode it went rather swimmingly. Oh yeah, uh, oh yeah. It was a good kickoff to the Stay Ours podcast, and uh, we're gonna keep this thing going. I'm setting up a, a Twitter page for the Stay Ours podcast. Stay Ours podcast. Uh, it's gonna be Stay Ours podcast at Twitter. Okay. Uh, I'm considering whether I want to do an Instagram or not. I'm, I may, I may not. It's also we also have Stay Ours podcast at Gmail. So uh, we're going to get all those propers together and get those things established. And, uh, you know, next time we come up, we're going to keep talking sports talk and other stuff. My I'm man. Chris, my man Jordan. Yes, sir. Fun rocking with you. All right, bro.